You're listening to A Time of Monsters. This is the weekly update for this weekend, which is uh, the election happened on Tuesday. And we finally have results as of 12.06 p.m. on Saturday. And uh, Joe Biden is now is now president of the United States. Right. Um, and Pete and I today are joined by Owen Higgins. Uh, he's a journalist, has written for outlets like The Intercept. And he's been so gracious to lend us his time to talk about uh, what the fuck actually happened and uh, a little bit maybe about, uh, you know, looking forward. So um, what's up, Owen? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to talk about what just happened. <laughs> exactly, because literally what just happened um, after a couple days of ballot counting and this really tense situation, um, Pennsylvania, Joe Biden, the state that he was born in, looks like it's put him over the edge. So, uh, Owen, first of all, what? Trump won Pennsylvania by less than a percentage point. Um, I think it was 0.7, right, against Hillary Clinton in 2016. But now Joe Biden, by a similar margin, has secured those 20 electoral votes. Um, what? Can you tell us what happened in Pennsylvania? Yeah, well, I mean, basically, you had a situation where there were a lot of mail-in ballots because of the pandemic. And those had been coming in for uh, for, you know, weeks and they skewed heavily Biden. And then you had people going in, uh, to vote on Tuesday and that skewed heavily, uh, Republican. And, but because the GOP dominated Pennsylvania legislature had ruled that, um, or had passed a law saying that they couldn't start counting the absentee ballots that includes mail and that includes early voting, all that stuff until, uh, I think after polls closed on Tuesday, mm. What happened was that what it immediately looked like to everybody was that Trump won. Yeah. Because he did. He had like, he had like over a million lead. I mean, it was it was crazy. Yeah. But then as those ballots started to be counted, it became very clear uh, that Trump was going to lose instead of Biden. Um, I will admit that I did not think it was possible that Biden could come back until probably Thursday night. Mm. Like after after election night, like watching what happened with Florida, I didn't think that Biden had a chance. I thought it was over. Oh, really? Like I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought it was over. Because my my projection in my head was I was like, he can't it can't even be close. Mm. You know, we just had like, what, uh, t- two hundred and thirty thousand people dead yeah. Yeah. from COVID yeah. economy oh, yeah. crash. Trump caught COVID. Like, <laughs> yes, and I was like, yeah, you know, I was just like, it can't happen. The golden week. And then it, it just it just did. Yeah, it just did. And like it. It it shattered what I expected to happen so much in my head that I was just like, well, this is that's that's it, man. And also, I mean, I wasn't even thinking clearly. Like I I had been like burning it at both ends, like you know, with 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 work for like weeks, months before that. So I was just, I I had expected like election day to be like easy, clear victory, hauled by like you know, eleven p.m. Eastern, all done, move on. Um, and that was not the case. I mean, you know, most people predicted that exactly what was going to happen happened, but uh, not me. Yeah. Uh, my my political predictions are are almost universally wrong. So. <laughs> that, that that seems to be the trend over the past four years, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I like I I'm like okay, well, this is what should happen, right? Like this is like like logically this should happen, but then it's it's obviously I just don't. I'm just missing something. I don't know where it is. Luckily, it's not my job to predict. <laughs> it's just my job to report. That's Nate Silver's job. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's the idea. What would you say like caught you most off guard? Like, what kind of shocked you the most? 
I think Florida and 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 I'll say this is why like even even though I I I realize that like it's a it's a right wing state and under normal circumstances I probably would not have thought that it would go Trump. Uh but because of COVID and because of the older population there, mm. I really thought that that was it. Well, we saw all those like rallies. What what is the the senior the villages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. the rally in the villages, like with all the like old folks coming out to support Trump, like no masks, and Jesus. it just like you know you can do sort of like if you I guess have sort of a cynical take on it, like you can do like the the like funeral guys like <laughs> meme on yeah. it, but like <laughs> also like I feel like that it's such like a a passing like entertainment because when you come back down to it, it feels like a heinous thing yeah. to witness. Yeah. I mean, it's an omnicidal death cult. Oh yeah. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, the one thing like, so I live in, I live in Maine, which is, you know, the, uh, the whitest state in the country and one of the oldest states in the country. I've lived here for like, uh, coming on like two years now. And, you know, one thing that like should have kind of, tip me off a little bit that this was coming is that there were just no Biden signs. Mm. Uh, so I live outside of Portland, uh, which is you know the biggest city in the state. And it's, it's like relatively pretty diverse. It has like a lot of like uh, refugee populations that have been here for, for decades, you know, for like 50 years, like they like have, have a lot of people from around the world. It's um, it's like a relatively cosmopolitan city relative, relative to Maine, Right. And like the rest of the state is just not like that. But then, so I live like a little bit outside of it. And it's like kind of like evenly split here. But I noticed I was noticing like over the last like month, two months that the more out into uh, Western Maine, which is like more rural, mm-hmm. like we'd be going there to like, you know, drive around or or do whatever. And it's like, oh, there's a lot of Trump signs here. And then it's like, you know, you're driving past like this farm and like they have a tractor trailer with like a like a tractor trailer size Trump sign. Yeah. But yeah, and I'm not even kidding. Like that is something that I literally saw. They definitely go bigger. They go bigger with the Trump signs. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've seen I'm in Decatur, which I guess like was like over 80 yeah. percent for Biden, Biden here. Yeah. And we've got all like every type and style of Biden sign that you can imagine. I've seen some and most of them are knockoffs, which that's always an interesting thing that like they don't even put the money towards like the campaign to buy the official one. Like they make their own, yeah, exactly, print exactly. them out and give them to their neighbors. And it's like, that's like that has like a fundraising purpose. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's not just the aesthetics, but it is aesthetics. Right. But like you I do think that there's a lot that you can tell well, you like I'm like a I come from like a marketing background. So like I do tend to view things from some of these like what is their like like branding angle yeah. on this kind of thing? And like it was always shocking to me with the Biden signs that like they would it was either, you know, vote or it was like buy Don. And the idea of taking your brand and breaking it mm. like that and not having his actual name yeah. on your branding. Like the only possible reason I can think of to do that is like a fear about identifying your candidate, like that you're afraid of showing your product. Well, a candidate basically. like Biden, especially a candidate like Biden. Right. And we're, we're going to talk about that when we talk about the dismal, like down ballot results, because mm. it did not like trend nationally at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I just wanted to like, add to what you were saying about the science thing is that 
So I, you know, I've lived in a lot of places in the country in my life, and this is definitely like the the whitest and most conservative area that I've ever lived in. But where I'm from is 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 a similarly pretty white area, but it's very left wing, which is the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts, very small region, um, very very rural, uh, very very left wing. Mm. Um, so what I noticed when I was back home over uh you know over the summer and and over the fall i would go back and visit and there just wasn't like the signs weren't there either Mm. so there was a big enthusiasm gap here and i wonder to what extent that can explain kind of what happened with missing it because i think that there was so much energy against trump Mm. that 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 you know especially people on the left and 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 uh liberals and and you know just just within like that broad half of the country conversation like you're hearing a lot of anger about trump and a lot of reasons why people don't like trump etc cetera, etc cetera. like does it like across the country like whether it's whether it's decatur mm. whether it's maine mm. whether it's washington state whether it's south carolina whether it's you know wherever there's this there's this simmering rage and anger against trump and against like four years of trump but i think that there was a quieter enthusiasm for trump that was going on that just wasn't obvious like because the shy because Trump it, voter or like the alleged like shy Trump voter. Yeah. And well, I, think, I mean, Trump turned out more Republicans this time in 2020 than he did in 2016. Right. So it's like it, it seems to be a function of shame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, that people like who cannot help but support him. Yeah. Despite the fact that 230,000 upwards to 300,000 actually like Americans have died. Mm. Um that that apparently wasn't enough for them to not vote for him but they didn't want to admit it or show it, right? Well, yeah, right. I mean, I think that I think that there's like there's 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 shame that that comes from like supporting someone who's so outwardly racist for probably about half of his supporters yeah probably feel probably feel that that's probably like the quiet ones yeah but they probably just think you know and this is something that 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 uh exit polling was showing people were saying that the economy did great under mm. under trump and and it still would be doing great if it wasn't for the virus and it's only the virus so why why not just go with him instead of going for trump and i think that if you're somebody who either like kind of quietly likes the shit that trump says yeah or you just don't care about it that like those those uh motivations like the motive like the economy motivation is going to be the one that gets you out yeah, yeah the polls and i think i think that's probably most of what happened and you know there's there's this whole conversation about like we need to talk to more members of the white working class mm. and more and and, and 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 more of these disaffected white voters about who you know why they should not support trump and and uh, you know I, I i think that's true i think that anybody who is who is trying to engage with progressive politics should be talking to everybody that they possibly can mm. but let's not and this is kind of i'm kind of changing the subject a little bit here but you know let's not forget that the data is pretty clear that trump support comes from wealthier people exactly and so that you know that needs to be like grappled with like and it needs to be grappled with why is it that wealthy people who vote trump are somehow coded to being well i mean i'm just gonna say because it because it is i'm just gonna say it out loud because it is what it is. They, they're coded to being trailer trash mm-hmm. white people yeah mm-hmm. that's what they're coded to be but that's not who they are exactly and so not who all of them are right yeah, exactly. so there needs to be like some kind of an understanding about why that is and 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 and, and what it is that this disconnect that's been going on for 
years. Yeah, I think I think in Georgia, too, we were talking about um, surprises. Right. And where we are in Georgia, that was also a surprise for us. You know, I kind of made a joke about it where it's like, I guess, you know, suburban white people, you know, in um, Atlanta, in Georgia, writ large, but mostly Atlanta, were more concerned about not dying of a deadly disease than their hate for like blacks and Mexicans, you know, because a lot of people are trying to make this election seem like it was just about race, mm -hmm. you know, and we can have more materialist discussion of the, the, the inextricable link between race and class, but it really was the economy and the virus, right? Mm -hmm. Which were motivating people to go and vote. Um, what do you think happened in Georgia, by the way? Because again, that for us, that was like, what the fuck? Like, I yeah, don't think this it was time it's personal. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. personal. Well, it's, exactly. it's definitely been, um, it's been both a surprise because like, you know, th there was obviously rumblings about us turning blue. Um, but yeah, it's been, for me personally, it's been a nasty surprise <laughs> Yeah, to even have people talking about like, you know, I'm yeah. Georgia born and raised. Yeah. Uh, We're the epicenter right now of like, you know, the country's national focus for the next three months. Until it's, like, yeah. us after. It's, it's nice to be the bell of the ball, but like, I really wish that like people weren't looking at me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Do the right thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Don't look at me. Uh, you know, I mean, from the outside looking in, you know, I've, I've never I've never lived in Georgia. Uh, I, I, you know, I lived in South Carolina briefly mm. uh, a long time ago. But that's a very different state. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think a lot of people from the Northeast tend to think that the South is all the same. Once you get down there, it's it's. Oh, not. I'm a New Yorker originally. I know. Mm. <laughs> They're shocked to discover our paved roads. <laughs> yeah, like even like different regions, even within the states, are, are like it's like completely different yeah. countries almost. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, but I would say, but, you know, from the outside looking in and I have been doing uh, some reporting for um, a forthcoming project that will be launching in about a week and a half. Uh, and one of the things that I was assigned to cover was kind of like Sunbelt uh, progressivism and kind of like, and then the way that things are kind of moving to the left or, or at least uh, to the moderate center, you know, not, not from like the extreme right, like, uh, like, like uh, Southern politics has been dominated by. And uh, again, I'm not saying that that's like the makeup of the voters yeah. are like that. I'm saying that like the yes. politics has been, has been dominated. Rule of the rustics, right? That's, you know, right. this idea that the, the, the more rural populations, you know, less populated, like, you know, areas will at some point, because the way we apportion votes, you know, will like, you know, be a minoritarian, if anything, like rule. Right. Right. Exactly. And 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 the decades of, of voter suppression centuries, you know, yeah. all, all of this stuff is 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 valid. But but we you know, one of the things I was reporting on was like this kind of like shift in the Sun Belt that, that was already going on. And and Georgia was one of the states that we were really concentrating on. Like we 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 use I think Abrams and Fair Fight as a jumping off point, but yeah. as a jumping off point to discuss New Georgia Project and yeah. uh, and and these other groups. Um, so that's kind of my long long way of getting around to the point of saying that I was not surprised to see Georgia close. I mean, I had even in my optimistic map, I had called Georgia to go blue, mm -hmm. um, just because the shift has been going on for a while. You, you can see it from the outside and you can see it from the remove, you know, I'm sure you can see even better if you're there, but like for being removed, like you, you could see that it was starting to change not, you know, maybe not even necessarily, I thought Texas was going to flip too. Mm. Uh, you know, that definitely did not happen. And the, I hate to call it this, but like the quote unquote Latino vote there yeah, yeah. shifting towards Trump 
was was a big surprise too. But I, you know, I think that that Georgia is trending blue. I think that if there wasn't any voter suppression in the South, I think a lot of the South would trend a lot bluer yeah. than it is. Yeah. I think I think there would be. I think if there wasn't voter suppression in the U.S., I think the GOP would be a tiny, tiny party. Exactly. I think that they would have, you know. So, I mean, that's just basically what I think happened. I think that they just, you know, that that all of these groups, uh, you know, King Center is another one, New Georgia Project. Mm -hmm. You know, they all just uh, really focused on turning out the vote. Registered almost a million new red, you know, yeah. uh, voters. Yeah, it was like eight hundred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, you know, that, that's 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 pretty clear. I mean, it's pretty clear what happened. Like they just registered more voters, more people came out, and it was tight and it was close. It's a divided state, but it is now, I think, a battleground. Yeah. And I'm really interested to find out what happens on January fifth mm. when these special elections happen. And I, again, yeah, there's going to be thousands of people descending on your state yeah. and they're going to be there for two months. Well, we're, we're very hospitable down <laughs> here. We love it when people come in and sort of tell us what to do. It put us in a Petri dish. It kind of yeah. focus, you know, peach right? tree dish. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, yeah, no, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a peach tree dish. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So, 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 so from the outside, you know, looking in, I think that's what it is. And I think that it's kind of like North Carolina was 12 years ago. North Carolina, I think went to Romney, I think in 12, I can't, I can't remember, but, uh, but definitely went to Obama in 08. And I think that probably a similar situation in Georgia right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Who you know who knows what will happen in 24. I think that it's so impossible to predict what a Biden administration looks like at this point. Yeah. Especially without knowing the results of those special elections. Especially on the outside, outside chance that Alaska goes blue for the Senate. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, this is the thing. Like, because of what I was describing before about Pennsylvania and, and the way that the votes came in and, and the way that things looked Tuesday and the way that they look now, this is a much more definitive and strong victory for Biden than it appeared that he was going to have any chance at mm-hmm. only a couple of days ago. Now, with an over four million vote lead, possibly up to uh, 80 electoral vote lead. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a pretty clear mandate that he has right now. I know he was talking about that last night during his uh, kind of rambling speech there. But he did he did mention mandate, which is mm-hmm. which is important. So. It's very difficult for me to see where it goes, but mm-hmm. it's it's possible that the thing, you know, the analogy that I keep making, sorry, I'm totally digressing. No, here, no, but no. The analogy that I keep making is Bush in 2000, right? So Bush wins mm-hmm. in 2000. Well, Bush loses in 2000, but gets the presidency anyway mm-hmm. and comes in, uh, you know, under this cloud of illegitimacy and uh, it doesn't have the support of half the country much like Trump did in, in, in 16, but the difference is that, and it is kind of because of nine 11, or it is definitely because of nine 11, but he was able to flip that around yeah. and 2000 and 2002 add to seats in, in both chambers of Congress. And then in 2004, win reelection. So mm-hmm. if you had asked me in like June of 2001, if that was even possible, I would have said, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anything can happen. It's, it's hard to predict. Well, well, I want to I want to kind of present a counter to the mandate, right, that Biden has and switch to talking about damn down ballot races, because, again, the Democrats did not have a very good night. No. Right. (laughs) Um, I think that they 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 lost seats in the House. Right. It doesn't look like they're going to gain any seats in the Senate. Um, It looks like a lot of local races. I don't think they flipped one state legislature um, in this election. And it seems to me that 
if Biden has a mandate because of um, you know gaining the majority of not just electoral votes but the popular vote as well, which you know he's gotten the most votes uh, for the presidency in history, but the down ballot races and the, the, this dismal performance, Biden is going to be stuck with the Republican Senate, right, and a whittling House, and Mitch McConnell's still going to be there, right. And even in, in, in these down ballot races, we saw that by it wasn't an endorsement of Biden and the Democratic Party as much as it was a rejection of Donald Trump. Right. Um, so w- let's let's talk about some of these down ballot races and maybe let's start with um, let's start with the Senate races, man, and try not to get um, irrationally angry right now. <laughs> but Amy McGrath <laughs> spent 90 million dollars. To lose to Mitch McConnell by 20 points. Um, Sarah Gideon um, lost to Susan Collins, who was projected to lose. Right. What, what is going on here with these Senate races, first of all? What happened? What happened? Yeah. What happened? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you're, you're in Maine. I mean, mm, you yeah. might have a good perspective on specifically Susan Collins. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't know what happened. I mean, I think <laughs> that uh, it, it no, like there were like Gideon signs everywhere mm. there were like not a lot of Colin signs i mean it's like almost the opposite almost the opposite you know there were there were uh lisa savage signs because we have ranked choice voting here oh, um, yeah. you know i even wrote a i even wrote a story about the intercept or for the intercept about this expecting a you know just just a uh a, a blowout mm. for uh for Gideon because of Savage's votes. And and we wrote it like that. Like it was like, we put it up before the results came in. We wrote it like, you know, she's uh, Collins is hanging on by a lifeline. Like she probably doesn't have a, uh, a shot mm. at winning and, and then uh, proceeded to eat shit on that mm. because Collins won. I mean, and, and she won at a point that like, even if she had underperformed a little bit to what she got and hadn't quite gotten a bare majority of the vote, uh, she still would have won on the ranked choice voting because she would have caught, you know, e- even the 10 percent of Savage and and Max Lynn voters. Uh, these are the two third party candidates that were running who, you know, went went for her, which which was what, what the polling was showing. Then she would have won anyway. I mean, there was it, it was that was a devastating mm. result, I think, for the Democratic Party and and for the large amount of people around the country who despise Susan Collins for all of the right reasons, you know, yeah. just her like kind of simpering concern shit and mm-hmm. all of this. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I really just can't say. Well, well let me ask there. you a question then. What, what kind of campaign did Sarah Gideon run? Was she, is she a centrist sort of moderate? Yeah. Did she make any sort of like promises maybe? Like, did she, was she a fighter pilot, you know, perhaps like a uh, friend, Amy McGrath? Yeah. Did she fly planes? <laughs> no, right. No. So, so she didn't, she didn't run to the right in the same way that McGrath ran. Hmm. Um, she didn't, and, and MJ Hagar too in Texas, although that was never really a possibility. I mean, hmm. like, like uh, again, I mean, as, as has been discussed a million times, O'Rourke could have won that seat if he had run for that instead of running for president. He did not. Jesus. He had to ollie. Failing upward constantly. <laughs> Just really frustrating. It's, it's frustrating because I think that he could have won and it looks like with, with his uh, his group there um, in Texas, powered by people, you know, it, you know, for him, for him to be able to form that with the enthusiasm that he had, I think he, I think he would have probably taken it. Um, who knows though? 
So, yeah, so, you know, she she ran a somewhat centrist campaign. I think that what Gideon did, and, and I think the lesson from what Gideon did is that people shouldn't do is you got to you got to pick one. Yeah, right. You can't kind of use language swirling around these progressive priorities, which which she would. She would talk about like access to healthcare, all of this, all of this kind of stuff. And then not endorse the progressive positions that have or the progressive movement that has shaped the conversation around these issues to the point that you actually have to use language like that now. And she didn't do that. And and I think that that may have hurt her because it kind of makes people it kind of makes them look like squishy. Exactly. So you have to choose one, like choose. one. I mean, this, you know, say what you will about McGrath. I mean, there are a lot of very, very negative things to say about McGrath and the campaign that she ran. Mm. But at least she didn't pretend to be like both things. No. She was point. like, no, I'm going to be a right wing Democrat. That's I'm going to be a better Republican than wasn't. Mitch McConnell. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. And you know what? Like, I, I, I think that's a horrible message, but it's a clear message. Exactly. You know, that, that's a clear thing that you're running on. You know, I, obviously, the, uh, the counter to that, which I think is a, is a strong counter, is to say that running as a better Republican is not going to work. Right. That's not that, that that's not a strategy that 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 is is going to work. Um, you have to provide people with some sort of an alternative. Um, you know, that this is people have been saying this for 70 years. I think Truman was like the person who was like, you know, if you're going to I'm paraphrasing here, he said something of the fact that like you'd have like either a Republican or a Republican light. Mm. Voters are going to choose the Republican every time because right. why would you why would you just get, you know, something that's going to sound different, but but do the same thing. You know, as far as the other down ballot races go and mandates, um, I guess what I would say that I'm going to read this is from Aiden Smith, uh, who works with uh, Data for Progress and also has his own uh, Labyrinth Political newsletter where he talks about elections. Uh, very smart guy, uh, mm-hmm. Aiden underscore SMX on Twitter, if anybody wants to follow him. And so he he has this really interesting thread. He says, House Dems who lost re-election in 2020, Donna Shalala, opponent of Medicare for All and defunding the police. Joe Cunningham, opponent of Medicare for All, defunding the police. Zoshi Torres Small, opponent of Medicare for All, defunding the police. Abby Finkenau, same. Kendra Horn, same. Colin Peterson, same. Joe Cunningham, same. Debbie Merkezel Powell, who once spoke in favor of Medicare for All, but abandoned support, also an opponent for defending the, defunding the police. And then he says that the in Max Rose. Then he says at the end, sorry, you can't have it both ways. These Democrats publicly oppose Medicare for all and defining the police and laws. Exactly. So when when we talk about mandate, right, I'm saying that if you look at those down ballot results, hmm. you can say that there is and, and you look at Biden winning by four million votes hmm. nationwide. You can say that there is a mandate for change. And even even if there are like um, and, and as you're making them intelligent counter arguments to that mm-hmm. saying that there's a mandate for progressive change is the is in my opinion the politically smart move and 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 so that should be the message that we're sending exactly because i i personally think that there is a mandate for progressive change because of uh, because of the exit polling on on issues that came out whether you go from medicare to all green new deal raising you know taxes on the rich minimum you know, wage minimum wage you know marijuana like legalization mm-hmm. i mean you go down the board right and it's just like and we're going to talk about that in a bit too where the progressive ballot initiatives right that were passing red states mm-hmm. but i, I do i do want to mention something too because i used to work for the democratic party for a, a very long time uh in new york and uh here in georgia and uh, I woke up the morning of the election and went downstairs, you know, I lived with my family and um, 
they they didn't want to hear anything out of my mouth, all right? Because they know my politics, <laughs> they know how critical I am of Joe Biden and generally the Democratic Party. And um, it was a, it was an argument over basically me trying to explain that you cannot blame the voter. It is the job of political parties to campaign. And you do that either by increasing your turnout or depressing the turnout of your opponent, right? And running on these, if Biden had took, like he ran on, he didn't run on the Green New Deal, but he ran on, you know, returning to the uh, Paris Climate Accords and addressing that. You know, he ran on a $15 minimum wage. It was in his platform, I should say. He didn't run on it, but it was in his platform. Of course, there was nothing about defunding the police, but you know, I will admit that it is not for the time adequate, but the most progressive policy platform, right, for the Democratic Party that we've seen yet. But he didn't campaign and run on these things. And I think that if you are aiming to target and turn out moderates, right, that's a failing strategy because essentially these people will always, when it comes to local down ballot races, vote for Republicans, right? But how about campaigning on these issues and picking a side, as you're saying, and turning out non-voters and young people, right? That seems to be a strategy that the Democrats do not want to pursue for a host of reasons, you know, that I'm not sure which one is the correct one or maybe it's all of them, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it, I mean, it's funny that we're talking about this because I have a piece coming out uh, at Insider maybe before this even pops up. So so I'll just, so, so I make the argument that there are, you know, basically there are signs that he can claim a mandate. And, and so I say first that the popular vote chasm, mm. uh, 4 million votes, but then exit polling around the country. So like, I, I just think that these numbers, like even, even we, we've been kind of dancing around talking about this, like mm. I'm just going to read the numbers out. Cause I think it's yeah, please, yeah. so according to New York times, 66% of voters feel that climate change is a serious problem. 71% feel racism is the most or one of the most important problems in the U S and 53% believe the criminal justice system treats black people unfairly. 54% of voters believe abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Mm. In Fox News surveys, 72% of people were in favor of government-run healthcare. 71% in favor of keeping Roe v. Wade in place. 55% calling for stricter gun laws. 72% want a pathway to citizen for immigrants in the country illegally. Mm. Those numbers, it, it doesn't make any sense Like why some of these red states would 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 vote for these uh, ballot initiatives, mm. right? Like the fifteen dollar minimum wage in Florida, and then deliver the uh, the presidency to Trump. You know, if if you look at these numbers from the exit polls, and then you look at the split, which is like if we say roughly fifty fifty nationwide. Well, if it's fifty fifty nationwide, then you have between three and thirteen percent of Trump voters. I mean, it's obviously not going to be an even split, but like yeah. three to thirteen percent of Trump voters who are supporting these very progressive left wing policies. Mm. So there's obviously some sort of a disconnect there if you're not getting those voters. Yeah, and I think the failure ship too is not just the failure too is not just on uh, Joe Biden, but also Democratic leadership, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. I say this every time. It's like for the past four years, Chuck Schumer has like slipped into a wardrobe. And has disappeared to like Hashtag fucking Narnia or something. Where is Chuck, right? And that failure to actually, you know, cr create and translate some cohesive policy platform and long-term ideological project will continue to fail them down ballot because people are either not going to vote or they're going to vote for the actual Republican instead of the Republican light, right? And this is what we saw with these down ballot races. Exactly, and I mean, I think if you if you're looking at these right-wing Democrats getting knocked off. 
it, it, it's just, I mean, yeah, there's just like that. There's just that disconnect. And yeah, just, I, I mean, they just, they need to figure it out. Is, is this on Pelosi? Most definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she supported Sherry Bustos for the DCCC. The DCCC then uh, worked to ensure that there would be no progressive challengers, uh, you know, to incumbents. Yes, they were blacklisted. Yeah. And consulting firms are blacklisted. They would work with progressive yeah. challengers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were blacklisted. But then for some reason, somehow when, you know, when the challenge was to a progressive candidate, that the, the blacklist didn't exist anymore or something. Exactly. Know. Exactly. Well, luckily, we got Robbie Mook in there. Oh, my God. Yeah, we got Robbie Mook, luckily, who is the fucking CEO of the short, House Majority It's a short back. list <laughs> of who we need to run this operation. Yeah. And we got one name on there. Robbie We Mook. got Big Mook. <laughs> Big Mook. Yeah. They love losing. Bring in the Mook. Full hearts. Full hearts. Can't lose. That guy. <laughs> no, no doubt. He can do it. I mean. If you want to lose, I know your man. It, it, it's just it's just such like a. A systemic failure. And and it's so clear too when you look at that 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 the whole Democratic Party consulting class apparatus and and, and the party is just based on, on 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 figuring out the way to just keep everybody that already has a job with a job or with with a way to grift. Exactly. And in order to do that, uh, you know, you have to continue to appeal to donors and people on the right who have money and who are supporting the party and and, and that's it. And that's what this is all about. Well, as far as 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 mm-hmm. as far as Mook goes, as far as uh, Bustos and Pelosi go, I mean, it's you know it's interesting because I don't I don't think that it's completely fair to claim that Pelosi personally has uh, extremely right wing politics because I don't I don't think that that's true. I don't. I mean, I was looking at her record for a story months ago. I think when I it might have even been when I was still with Common Dreams, and and I was like, well, you know, she's she has to be like hostile towards immigrants, right? Immigration. And I looked up and like, no, she was actually like hostile towards Obama mm. for some of his immigration policies. Mm. That obviously wasn't like super outwardly hostile about it, but she did say a couple of times, like, you know, I, you know, I disagree with him on this. And it, I mean, obviously, you know, politicians take different positions for different reasons. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and I'm never going to say about any politician with one or two exceptions that they're taking a position Mm. purely uh because it's the right thing to do Mm. but i think that there's a disconnect probably between what pelosi actually thinks and and with what she for some reason believes is going to win and bustos uh and her control of the dccc is is an example of this kind of like corporate center right wing still having control over the party and still being assigned to determine how the party is going to be controlled so ultimately, at the end of the day, it doesn't actually matter what Pelosi believes because Pelosi puts people like this in charge. Exactly. And exactly. people like this being in charge just lost them, you know, at least five or six seats mm-hmm. and probably, lo- you know, they lost like 20 something lean, lean R district seats that they might have been able to win with progressives. So let's say maybe half or even a quarter, mm-hmm. maybe the, the progressive would have mm-hmm. won. Mm-hmm. I think that you can't look at the results where you had moderate to right-wing Democratic candidates in all of these races, and they all lost. Mm -hmm. You can't look at that result and say, well, it wouldn't have been any better with, you know, with, without a progressive candidate in there. It it just, it it just is not logical. Well, I I saw this article yesterday in Politico um, where uh, Nancy Pelosi is urging um, Warnock and Ossoff and just generally Georgia Dems Right. To not run on Medicare for all, to not run on like these progressive issues like defunding the police as well. And to put a fine point on it, 
like living in the South, right? Like wanting shelter and, you know, education for your kids and like a livable wage and healthcare, those shouldn't be considered like political positions, right? Those are things that people want across the board, right? Across the political spectrum. So this idea that running on these issues, the tact is that running on these issues will harm these candidates because they're they're progressive challengers. We're running on these issues, right? And you lost because people are terrified of like socialism or anything. No, they lost because there was a Republican running that demonized you and was enough to gal- like did enough to galvanize their base to turn them out, as opposed to giving resources to progressives or even credence to these ideas. So looking forward, that's why I'm worried about Georgia, because if, you know, Ossoff and Warnock like take that tack where they're trying to run middle of the road, I don't think that's going to be enough. I I mean, people, people, I voted for Ossoff and Warnock the first time. You know, I'll definitely do it again. But I don't know with the with the with the runoff if that's going to be enough to turn people out. Right. Who necessarily voted the first time or who are in specially economic precarious conditions. Right. And usually don't vote. Right. That has been that's been the take for I mean, Pelosi endorsed this. I think it was uh, Clyburn was the one who actually said it. Mm. You know, can't run on Medicare for all, defend the police, socialized medicine. We're not going to win. And, you know, like so. So that's definitely that's an approach like that's a take. Mm. Let's uh, let's take a look here and see how that stuff did in Georgia. Mm. In the exit polls. Oh, look at that. A majority favor government run health care. Well, how about that? <laughs> how about that? Well, that's, well, that's strange, on. isn't it? Hold on. You're telling me that in Georgia, the place where deliverance <laughs> took place, you're telling me that they might want to be taken care of? Yeah, and, to and, not die. <laughs> and, 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 and if you could expound on this, these are people... You're telling me that people live in these places and people have needs and wants. Well, that's the thing, right? Is that no, it's 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 funny, but it's also like completely true where like the South is only looked toward when something like transformative like Georgia, right, is gonna happen, or the prospect that like Texas would turn blue, right? And it it it, it doesn't for some reason it doesn't gel with these like consulting firms or I mean they have corporate interests, right? But it doesn't gel with them like maybe the poorest people in the country, like where the concentration of the like the poorest people in the country in the South, maybe running on these progressive policies would actually turn people out. Right. I mean, like, look, you know, yeah. look at, at, I have the numbers up here. Right. So, OK. And this is interesting, too, like like what this says. Fifty two percent of people want the ACA repealed. Sixty three percent want the healthcare system changed so that Americans can buy into a government-run healthcare plan. Mm. 63% just want a government healthcare plan. Yeah. Period. Yeah. People are not happy with the ACA, but they're not happy with it because they want to keep private insurance or because there's like some, you know, like it, that's not what's going on here. So it doesn't go far enough. That's why they're yeah. unhappy with it. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So if you're going to run like middle of the road on this stuff, I mean, I'm not going to say this 100 percent because I don't I, I, I don't feel like there's there's enough information or data out there yet to say this 100 percent. But my gut feeling is if, if Biden had run on, we will give you universal health care in the midst of this pandemic. Mm. I think he would have done a lot better. Yeah, same, same. Instead of whatever public option or access means, which is basic, like we all have access to Disney World. Yeah. But like we can't all afford right. to I, go I have there. access to a Ferrari. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Right, right. 
So, so to wrap up, Owen, um, before we let you go, man, let's 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 have a positive like uh, kind of twist, right? Because although this uh, election night was a loss for centrist, moderate de- Democrats and the Democratic Party really as a whole, um, progressives actually did win kind of big that night in progressive ballot initiatives, right? Um, I mean, Oregon had the decriminalization of all drugs. Uh, we saw marijuana legalization in four states, medical marijuana in Mississippi. <laughs> As a Georgian, that gives me hope. And and the Mississippi flag. Oh, too. yes. Oh. Which I realize, you know, I realize that like for, for and, mm. and I'm not saying you guys, because obviously you're in Georgia and I think your, your perspective on this might be a little bit different. But I think for a lot of people, they're just like, oh, well, that's just that's just cosmetic. That's just. Oh, yeah. No, uh, no, it completely is. It's aesthetic. You no, know, that's just. Well, yeah. Like we were talking it, about. It, it science, is. But, but like, also. Aesthetics do mean things they translate out like they have effects yeah they do and 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 if a majority of mississippi voters said we don't want the confederate flag on our state flag anymore i i think people need to like look at that and understand that that means that that things are more complicated than yes. than just like uh you know what we were talking about earlier like all racists vote for trump and people who are against racism uh vote for biden i think that it, it clearly shows that there is more a more complicated situation here mm-hmm. so having said that uh yeah, I mean, I think that there are a lot of reasons to feel some hope and some positivity. Uh, you know, the, the drugs did really, really well. I think drugs. <laughs> yeah, had, it was had a big night. Some out here. <laughs> drugs had a big, night, big night. I, I, you know what? I think even if I hadn't seen the results, if I didn't know the data, I would have said uh, my big prediction for election night is that it is going to be a big night for drugs. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, by and large, and every sense of the word. I think, I think, I think uh, most people I know use some sort of substance on election night. Yeah. And I think, I think, obviously, yeah. Oh, you had Sub- to. substances did well. You had to. It was, it was bleak and underwhelming. Had a big night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I was going to mention too. We were talking about this earlier, actually. In terms of, um, you know, these Democrats not actually these moderate Dems not actually going out and like, you know, building trust with the community, you know, talking to members of the community. And even though COVID definitely prevented um, or at least the Democratic Party maintained that uh, COVID um, was not really a reason to go out and campaign. You had Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. Actually, the squad not only won re-election, but grew, actually. But specifically, you had um, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, who actually had a campaign strategy of, what do you know, talking to voters by going door to door, and they did it in a safe way. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that sort of strategy and how successful that was? Yeah. So um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, I, I tweeted about this a couple of days ago because I had a lot of shit for, for talking about this in September. Mm. Because in September, I was like, I don't know, guys, like, I feel like they should really be going out and doing some door knocking. Mm. Yeah, people were like, "Doesn't need to do it. Don't need to do it." And I, I think that this has shown that they did, in fact, uh, need to do it, and that they did not probably hurt them. Hmm. It's obviously a more complicated situation uh, because of the way that the pandemic has affected going out and and, and door knocking. Um, and it's obviously not a universal thing, too. Like, you know, I, as I said, I live I live in a pretty evenly split town in Maine. We had a lot of people knocking on our door, especially yeah. in the last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, just at least like at least one person a day mm. for, for, for both sides. So it was only for Gideon and, and, and Collins. We weren't getting uh, Trump or Biden. Well, we get in Planned Parenthood people, but mm. but not from like the actual campaigns. Um, you know, I, I I think that. One of the, again, and again, I have to say, like, I'm really trying to stress, like, Biden won 
an hour and 15 minutes ago, mm. officially, right? And, 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 and we're having, obviously, the three of us are pretty well-informed people on this stuff because we're addicted to it because yes, we're exactly. sick, twisted individuals. <laughs> it's deeply um, deep. yes. <laughs> Yeah, but even then, like, it's very hard to predict or, or, or to make any projections on a lot of this stuff. But I do think that if you look at what happened in Wisconsin, you look at what happened in Michigan, and Dave Weigel from the Washington Post has been posting about this a lot, too. I, I think it is quite clear that... If, if the numbers hold and the analysis comes out the way that I think it's going to come out, you're going to see that that is what changed things in Wisconsin and Michigan mm. was the door knocking, especially in Wisconsin, I think, where the, where the margin is rather narrow. Mm. Uh, Michigan in Detroit, I don't know if you guys have seen the numbers in Detroit, but it's like 95 percent Biden, mm. 95 percent. Wow. insane. And Trump got like 5 percent. And here's but here's the even funnier part is that Trump improved from 2016. Oh, my God. Five percent was an improvement over three percent. Oh wow! Man. So like that that little but, bit. Yeah, but, no. but again, like but but that number doesn't even like tell you anything because like the turnout was so much higher. Yeah. I mean that number tells you nothing. It, it, it like that one little data. I mean this is the kind of point I'm trying to make. Like that little data point right that I just said that like Trump improved his his performance in in Detroit. Uh, you know, going from three percent to five percent is like laughable as that improvement is. That doesn't even tell us anything because the because the actual turnout was so much higher. Exactly. So with a higher turnout, if you're if you're knocking on doors, like like you have to accept the fact that you're going to turn out some people for the other side. Exactly. When you just say vote, yeah. you you're inevitably like we've talked about it in terms of like uh, Hamilton fans, but it's like when you have like you know uh, rewriting some like Hamilton lyrics to be about voting, like this idea that you're only going to hit Democrats because it's like libs love Hamilton. It's like who do you think was in the seats for the first couple showings of Hamilton, mm-hmm. and which way do you think that their politics skew? Exactly. How do you think they feel about taxes? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mike, Mike, like, like Mike Pence went to it, yeah. you know, yeah. like, I mean, he got, he got yelled at in there. I think, uh, Kirsten Nielsen went there. I mean, there's this, there's this broader idea, I think on, I'm going to say it, it's on the left too. Like the left, the left tries to reject this, but they think about it all the time too. So, so it's a universal thing where there's this idea that cultural signifiers are how you determine, um, somebody's politics much more than what they actually believe. And to a certain extent, that's true in that you're not going to find a lot of um, like, like you'll find, you'll, you'll find people who generally culturally skew liberal and don't want to pay taxes, mm-hmm. uh, but are still going to vote for Biden. Right. There are, there are a lot of those people. I'll pick up um, one point before, before we let you head out, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, cultural signifiers. It's like, our politics, American politics generally, right, operate on cultural signifiers, right? Whether we're talking about guns, abortion, right? And not that those things don't also have a material basis, right? Mm-hmm. But they are wedge issues that by and large um, are not rooted in any sort of like uh, attempt to fundamentally and materially change people's lives for the better, right? Um, they are just, you know, I guess identity politics on like steroids, you know what I mean? And to put a put a, to put a fine point in, especially with you know the prospect of a Biden administration, but like the the abysmal failure to um, you know expand the House to take over the Senate, he's going to be in in a very I'm not really sure he's going to be in a tight position because it already seems like his transition team is like um, opening up and warming up to working with like conservatives. But Quibi CEO. Yeah. Quibi CEO apparently is one of the people. Meg uh, Whitman. Meg Whitman. But I just I just want to ask, like looking forward and I know none of us should be in the prediction game. 
But what does a Biden administration look like, right, when you're caught with a with a, a dwindling house, right, or the prospect at least of a dwindling house? They don't have the Senate, and Biden already seems to be willing to work with right wingers. What what does that look like for not just a Biden administration, but for the left? I know it's a broad question, but yeah, no, no, it is, it is, but it's it's good. I think that I, I should have an article coming out on 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 part of this transition stuff probably on Monday. Hmm. I believe that's coming out on Monday. Um, and and what that one specifically is about is reaction from Warren's supporters that she's not even being considered for Treasury, mm. and they're pissed. Um, and these are not like these these are not like Warren supporters who um, you know the, like these are like these are like I'm I'm saying this for the benefit of your of of, of your <laughs> listeners who who are who are like well fuck them man who gives a shit like no these like these are these are uh warren supporters or progressives who are friendly towards warren who also uh have a lot of affection for bernie and and some of them uh supported bernie and some of them supported warren these are the good ones yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, i'll say one of them uh yulene no uh new york state assembly member uh big warren supporter the minute that warren dropped out she immediately made a big public announcement that she was backing bernie i mean Mm. You know, so they, so they understand what's at stake. Yeah. Um, and and so, but yeah, so so he is working alongside uh, alongside conservatives. He seems to be open to doing that. I think that if both Georgia special elections were to go Democrat, I think that that would change things a lot because McConnell would not have the same ability to kind of determine how Biden fills out his cabinet. Mm. I also think that Biden is going to be able to negotiate a lot better with McConnell than uh, was Obama uh, for the simple reason that Biden is white and McConnell knows that McConnell, McConnell, who I am am not sure is personally particularly motivated by racism. Uh, You know, the first mention that I can find of him in the New York Times is him. That photo in front of the Confederate flag. No, 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 that's true. But the first mention that I've ever found of him from the New York Times when he was a senator was him telling Reagan that Reagan was wrong about apartheid South Africa. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying about McConnell is that, yeah, like uh, I think that he absolutely embraces racism when he has to, when he wants to, but I don't think that he gives a shit about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he cares. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a motivating thing for him at all, but I think the power is. Exactly. And so I think that, like so I think that Biden would have a better chance of negotiating with him because there's a possibility that the GOP base will be more kind of open mm-hmm. to McConnell working with another white guy. Mm. Uh, however, that's not going to change the fact that if Biden is going to allow the right to kind of determine who is going to be in his cabinet and who is going to be part of his transition team, that is that is going to raise a lot of problems. And I think it raises a lot of questions for the left and for progressives if Biden is, I mean, like, you know, the fact that like the last month and a half, two months, we've been hearing, oh, he's considering Meg Whitman, uh, you know, CEO of, of Quibi or however you say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's considering John Kasich, like the like Jeff Flake. I don't yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand how either of these dudes, <laughs> Kasich and Flake, both of whom I fucking despise, yeah. have had their images rehabilitated over the last four years from being the extremist extremists like right-wingers that they are that now that somehow like they're reasonable like are we supposed to forget like the the footage of the woman in the elevator with jeff flake Uh, yeah she was was that during the kavanaugh yeah where she confronted him yeah Yeah, Yeah, flake flake was a uh a lobbyist for like a, a a mining company who told the uh 
Arizona or the Utah State Senate not to pass a resolution against apartheid in the 80s because it would it would harm their profits. I mean, like these guys and Kasich, you know, Kasich, like, uh, I mean, abortion, yeah, incredibly anti-abortion, like, like anti-union, like doesn't bode well with Tony Barrett. If Biden's considering either of these motherfuckers, like, uh, I'm assuming that I can swear. I've been swearing the whole time. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Fuck it. You know, no cussing like that is that's really, really, really bad news. You know, uh, obviously, I think that most people on the left wing of the Democratic Party would like to see Bernie labor, Warren Treasury. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that they would probably want to see like some other stars of the of, of the party in the cabinet. I don't think that any of that stuff is going to happen. No. Um, no. And I think that they're I think, well, I think it's actually much more likely that Bernie would get in than Warren would get in at this point, actually, mm-hmm. because I think that governor, the Republican governor of Vermont has promised that if Bernie did get a position in the cabinet, that he would just uh, appoint an independent who would caucus with Democrats. Uh, obviously, we'd independent with caucus with Democrats who would be much further to the right than, than Sanders is. But yeah, I think anybody taking over that seat would end up being more conservative than Sanders. Um, yeah. he, he is a relatively unique person in, in American politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think that, that Warren gets it um, because of the Senate seat, but also just because... Uh, the Obama world people don't like her. Yeah. Yeah. For good reason. They don't like her because yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't like her because she told them to go fuck themselves <laughs> on, on banking shit during the eight years that they were in power. And it doesn't matter that like, uh, that she was right mm-hmm. and that they were wrong. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, a lot of her critiques have, have been proven to be correct that they just don't, they don't care. So I think that given all of that, so given like having said all of that, I think we're going to see a more moderate to even too uh, conservative Biden transition team mm. for the next two or three months. Mm-hmm. What a Biden administration ends up looking like, uh, not as far as who's in it, but as far as what it does, I think is still an open question mm. uh, because I just don't know. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that it's going to be a left-wing administration. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. that. None of us are delusional. Though. None of us are delusional about that. But it is hard to predict what is going to happen in the next three months. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about here. I'm not talking about like the chaos around like uh, you know Trump still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Claims of the illegitimate election. Sorry. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is. Pandemic is not going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of these economic fail safes that have been put into that have somehow we magically actually have money for that have been put into place uh, over the last couple months or, or over the last year will be ending at the end of the year. So what happens in January? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Police are not going to stop killing black people. Exactly. And, and the evictions and, that are coming. Evi- as well. Yeah. Evictions. Are, I mean, all this shit is coming and it's just impossible because of just how chaotic things are to predict what the country is going to look like in two and a half months. And so the reason that I'm saying is that it's, it's, it's difficult to, to predict what a Biden administration is going to govern like because the conditions on the ground are so unpredictable right now mm. that, you know, let's not forget that like, yeah, like McConnell and the GOP are absolute monsters and are going to do everything that they can to not spend on social services but they also did pass a $600 unemployment bonus yeah. because at the end of the day, maintaining uh, the capitalist system that the U.S. has uh, was more important than their ideology. Exactly. In, in, in that, so it's just not possible to really predict what it's going to look like. So I, was th- I think that for progressives, like that has to be like the one inkling of hope 
that we still have is that it is always possible that things will not be quite that that it's possible that things will be so horrible mm-hmm. by the time he comes into office that his administration will not be as right wing and as reactionary as it looks like it's going to be. But my prediction would be that we're going to see a cabinet uh, filled with Wall Street ghouls and centrist mm-hmm. moderate Democrats and one or two Republicans and uh that at least the messages that we're going to get sent for the next two and a half months are going to be a Biden administration that's going to govern to the right. And what that actually ends up looking like is going to be uh, quite different from, from what happens. So. Well, I think um, that's a good place to leave it, man, especially given that, as you say, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, the only thing that I think we can do, you know, if, if I can make a case as the uh, broader left is to just, you know, be ready, be prepared, man, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and keep fighting yeah. because uh, Joe Biden is the next president of the United States. And um, he is no socialist, as we've heard him say countless times. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think I think I think people just need to be ready to do, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm I haven't done any organizing or anything for a really long time. So I, I'm, I'm not going to tell people how to do yeah. any of this stuff. But I, I think that. You just gotta, you just gotta do everything that you can, and then also realize that, Dig your heels yeah, yeah, and that, that there's just so much of this stuff that's that's out of your control that could end up making all kinds of different things possible exactly. or impossible. Yeah. I think there's one thing that you know we're talking about a lot of the kind of bleak outcomes of this, and you know even some of the victories, the the narrowness of them. You know, it, it, I have like sort of an ideology about feel bad that I'll get into someday, but like. You know, I think it's important to even in some of these small victories, be able to uh, recognize that, like, if they were that small, there's maybe something to feel bad about there that it's like, maybe we could have done something different. But what I'm thinking about is like that finale on True Detective, where they talk about like in the night sky, everything looks dark Mm. and it seems like you know, the evil is winning, but then Matthew McConaughey points out that there's like stars in the sky. So it looks like, hmm. you know, maybe, maybe the light is making a showing. Hmm. So like, I do think it's important, you know, I, I disagree that there is any time or any need to like, take a break to, you know, have like brunch to like, you yeah. know, whatever you want to call it. I, I disagree with that notion. And I find it sometimes a little insulting because I think people are taking a break from their break that they were taking a break from. So yeah. like, I don't know how many levels of self-soothing we need to have, but like, I think we do have to look at around the country, some of these progressive ballot measures that came through, some of these progressive politicians who really did make it I think those are those like stars in the sky that we need to look to in some of these times to figure out, you know, what our direction is, how we're going to like use them as a North Star of a sort to like guide us. And and hopefully if we can raise our fucking voices enough, people will listen to the fact that it's like, this is what people want. People want change people. And, you know, that's whether they're a Republican, a Democrat, liberal, conservative, whatever, you know, whether in, they're in the South, the North, which coast, like people want something better. That is a uniting thing. And that's what every like candidate gets on TV and says is that this country sucks in one way or another. And I'm the thing that can help it. But they're all saying that this place is like, we're all having a real bad time here. Yeah, They just have different ideas. And so I think we should look to some of these progressive victories that we had as a, as a guiding light, because I think we need it. Yeah. Man, as I say, man, the only way out is through together. Absolutely. Um, that's the only way we're going to make it. 
Um, Owen, man, before we let you go, you, what do you have to plug for people so uh, people can find you? Twitter, any recent articles, where you normally write at? Yeah, I mean, I have um, I have a ton of stuff coming out uh, over the next couple of days, uh, weeks. Um, I, I will say this. Uh, I have so I have a Business Insider piece coming out uh, today or tomorrow um, about pretty much everything that we were just talking about. Nice. Uh, nice. I have that Warren piece coming. Uh, we have a big update on the Alex Morris situation and the report that came out from the Massachusetts Democrats that came out on Thursday night. Yeah, you did a great reporting on that, by the way, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so appreciate the reporting. On so, that. so Daniel and I have, have, and I think Ryan is is going to be a little bit involved at least. Uh, you know, we have a big big piece coming out on that next week as well, and then uh, there's a couple other things. I mean, I've been there's just there's a lot going on, so. Um, you know, usually my, uh, my Twitter account is usually like the place where I post most of this stuff. So I think that, uh, you know, people can just find me there or, uh, or just Google my weird name and, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm very grateful for that pronunciation in your bio on Twitter because I was very confused. <laughs> so that's O W E N J O N E S. Well, you know, the weird thing is that, that my, so my name is the. It's in between O W E N and the super Irish way to spell it, which is E O G H A N. Oh, yeah, interesting. It, it, but it's E O I N. Yeah, e, so E O I N is the is is the that's the one we're going for here. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the way to do it. Well, Owen, thanks again so much for coming on, man, and I actually hope thanks, that uh, you'll come back sometime soon, especially as uh, these national <laughs> updates unfold, especially particularly with Georgia, uh, maybe, man. So, um, yeah. thanks again, brother. We really appreciate it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it again. Definitely. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Later, brother. Take it easy.